You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. so glad that you're here uh, with us tonight. I'd like to continue the spiritual adultery series, and I'd like to talk to you tonight, thank you, I'd like to talk to you tonight about faith. You say, well, Rhea, what does faith have to do with spiritual adultery? Hebrews 11 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I wonder how our life would be if everything we did, we stopped and asked ourselves, would this please God? Just like in a marital relationship, that that word faith means total trust. Uh, without, Without total trust in God, it's impossible to please Him. And in a marital relationship, unless there's mutual trust, that 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 relationship is not going to go very far, is it? Not having trust in your mate is really taxing to a relationship. And, and, and let's talk about the whole aspect of spiritual adultery and adultery in a, in a regular marriage. Just like adultery in a regular marriage, if you are away from your spouse and you're doing something that, that they would not be pleased with if they knew you were doing it, you should not ought to do that. Am I right? And so if you're struggling with with flirtation or with with adultery, if you just stopped and asked yourself, would my spouse, if they saw this, be pleased with me? If the answer is no, don't do it. And it's not any different with spiritual adultery because the Bible says that we should aim to please God. And what if everything we did, we stopped and asked ourselves, would God be pleased with me if he saw me doing this? Guess what? He does. He sees everything. He knows what's in a man. And and the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without total trust, it's impossible to please. Because relationship is built on mutual trust. If I can't trust you, I won't feel safe with you. Oneness, a sense of safety and true communion, cannot exist without trust. When trust is gone or absent in a relationship, It's very difficult for that relationship to thrive. And so that's why I want to talk to you in this final teaching in in the Spiritual Adultery series. I want to talk to you tonight about trust. But would you just pray with me first? Father God, I just thank you. I thank you that you're with me like a mighty warrior. I thank you, Father, that your word says that when I open my my mouth, words will be given to me and I'll declare them as fearlessly as I ought. I'm asking for that tonight, Lord. I'm asking that when I open my mouth that you would just give me the words to speak, that you would illuminate your word, Father, that as it comes out of my mouth, I pray that, that you would wing it into the hearts and the minds of these men and women, that you would bring revelation, that you would bring understanding, Father, that you would help me to clearly and effectively minister your word in this place tonight. Lord, I need you. 
And I just thank you that you are indeed Emmanuel, God with us, that you won't leave us, that you won't forsake us, and that you're not about to relax your hand on us. And so be glorified and be magnified in this place tonight. Fill my mouth with your words. Father, let it be the overflow, Lord, of what you're speaking to me. Let it overflow from my lips into the hearts and the minds of these men and women, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to go on into chapter 11. I may continue here next week, I'm not sure, but for the time being, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10 and begin uh, reading in verse 35. Now, it's really important that you have a little bit of background on the book of Hebrews before we go any further. You need to know that, this, that the book of Hebrews was written, uh, the author, they're unsure of who the author was. Some people really believe it was probably Barnabas, but, but the verdict's still out on that. And so we don't know who the author was of, Hebrew, of the book of Hebrews, but, but you need to know that it was written to, uh, to people who had been Jews and they were converted and, and converted from Judaism and they were under intense persecution. Uh, they were persecuted from their family because they left the, the Jewish faith to, to, to follow Christ and, and, and they were tempted to go back because they were under such incredible persecution that they, they were, they, they were their, their goods were being plundered uh, they were facing all kinds of trials and tribulations, and they were really in a place where they were wanting to shipwreck their faith. Life was hard. I wonder if life is hard for anybody here tonight, because sometimes when life is hard, it's really easy to lose your trust in, in a God you can't see. Is anybody with me? And that's where they were. They were in a very difficult time, a very hard time, and they were wavering. And the author was writing this letter, encouraging them to hang on. In fact, the whole book, uh, the, whole, the whole chapter 11, he lists the heroes of the faith, and he encourages them to emulate what, the, what they saw the heroes of the faith do. I know this is hard for you, but if you could just do what they did and persevere and endure, there's great payoff coming. But it was hard for them, and, and so he's writing to them, encouraging them to not cast away their faith, to not give up. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight that really wants to give up, that their life is hard. Take good notes. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, because of all this stuff that's going on, he spent 10 chapters talking about how difficult their life was and, and how God is pre, he's, he's preeminent over all of it. He's more powerful than all of it. And he's reminding them that no matter how hard life gets, God has promised victory. And so he says, therefore, because of this, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Somebody say great reward. Don't miss those words. If you're right in your Bible, underline that. Don't cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For if you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. But now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. 
By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were seen were not made of the things which were visible. I, I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 1 when, when the worlds were created. If you, if you have your Bibles tonight, just flip back to Genesis chapter 1. I just want to show you one thing before we continue in Hebrews. Uh, when the worlds were formed, the, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, somebody say God said. He spoke. Do you, do you see how important his word is? When he speaks, something happens. And the Bible says that when the, when the world was created, and when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form. And that word without form means chaos. Oh, I love it. I wonder if any, anybody's life tonight is chaotic. If you have a lot of chaos going on in your life. It was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was. And now Hebrews tells us, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That's telling me God's word has power. Do you know that this word has power? Are you with me? His word is powerful, it's active, it never ever returns void. So many of us, where we, we have ourselves in a place where, where we don't really believe God means what he says. I, I was listening to John Bevere this week, and, and he said when we read God's word, and I just help me get this right, Lord. He said when we read God's word, we read it uh, um, through what we believe. Instead of believing what we read, we read what we believe. Are you with me? So if I have my mind made up that God works a certain way or God is a certain way, when I read, I'm going to read through that filter instead of just looking at God's word and saying, what does it say? And I'm going to take it at face value. If God says this, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, uh, whitewash it. I'm not, going to, I'm, going to, I'm not going to make it mean something that makes me feel more comfortable. I'm going to take it at face value because what God says, he means. Do you know that God's word is powerful? What would happen if we got in this word and we began to find where, uh, promises that are applicable to our life, to our situations, and we really started to believe them by faith? Because if the world was created by God simply speaking his word, God's words have creative power. And what would happen if we began to stand on the promises of God, finding one that's pertinent to our situation, and we began to speak it over our lives in agreement with his word? And watch it create something new in our lives. So by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by things which were, were so that the things which were seen were not made of things which were visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it being dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Oh, anybody want a testimony that they please God more than me? I just want that. Do you not want that? Do you not want to leave behind a testimony that Rhea, she pleased God everywhere she went? I just want that. I, there is nothing in this world that's worth messing that up for. I want to live a life 
Yeah, you say, well, Scripture says God is already pleased with you. Yes, he is. He is already pleased with you. But I want to live a life that pleases him. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now let's go back to verse uh, 35, and I just want to look at that a little more closely. He says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. That word confidence, it means free and fearless confidence. It means boldness. It means assurance. It is of the undoubting confidence of Christians relative to their fellowship with God. He's saying no matter what's happening, no matter how hard your life is, no matter what is coming at you, do not cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your unfailing uh, uh, confidence in God. Don't begin to doubt because of what is coming after you. We've got to get to a place where we say, say, I don't care what you bring at me. I am not casting away my confidence in God. I'm going to continue to believe that he's who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he will do, whether I see it in this natural or not. Because you see, faith is the evidence. Look at verse 1 in chapter 11, is the, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, so often we look at our, our life, and, and we, we look at what's happening and all that's coming at us and everything we're going through, and we cast our faith away instead of saying, I don't care what I see in the natural, I'm going to believe a supernatural God that says something different. Are you with me? He says, therefore, because of everything that's happening, do not cast away your confidence because it has great reward. And that word reward, I told you to underline it. It's so good. It means payment of wages due. It means requital. And that word requital means something given in return. What he's saying is when you have confidence in God, when you have faith in God, when you have total trust in God in his word, there's great reward. There's going to be a payoff coming because God will always back up his word. Do you know that? He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. When he says something, dear one, he means it. You can take it to the bank and cash it in because he is not a man that he should lie. Your neighbor sitting next to you might lie. Your spouse might lie. But I promise you, my God will not lie. If he says it, he will do it. So do not throw away your confidence in him. Don't cast it aside because of what is coming at you. Don't doubt or question his faithfulness because I promise you, there will be a massive payoff coming if you just stand firm. I, I was studying Ephesians, uh, the, the armor of God this week, and, and I'm fascinated by it. I've just been living in it. In fact, I think I'm going to begin teaching on spiritual warfare. And, and I was struck because, hey, you know, the scripture says, stand firm and let nothing move you. Don't let anything move you. Do you know that the armor of God has nothing covering the back? It's all covering the front. And it's because we were never supposed to run away from a fight. We were supposed to head it face on. I'm not moving. I'm here, I'm not giving any ground to you, enemy of my soul. I'm facing you with the armor of God, standing firm in all that he promises me. Let nothing move you. Don't let that situation you're living in right now move you. Do you believe God or do you believe what you could see in the natural? We can believe God 
Don't let the enemy, because you see, the Bible says that we don't war against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against your spouse. Your battle is not against Susie at work. Your battle is not against the grocery store clerk or the man who cut you off in traffic. You see, your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and evil forces. It's against the enemy of your soul who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is out to get you, and you need to stand firm and not let anything you're seeing in the natural move you. He says, don't you dare throw away your confidence because stuff is coming at you. Because without faith, without confidence in God, it's impossible to please him. Now look at the rest of that scripture in, in chapter 11, verse 6. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, oh, he is, the great I am, everything we have need of, he will be for us. That he is, and that he is the rewarder. There's that word again. He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Don't throw away your confidence because it has great reward because there is a rewarder. <laughs> There's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's a payoff. God is the one who rewards. He is the one who pays the wages. Do you see that? And so without faith in him, it's impossible to please him because he knows he's the one that gives the payoff. I like verse 36 in the New Living Translation. It says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. That word patient endurance, the word endurance is, is, is stay with me here because this is really important. Uh, the word endurance there in the Greek is hupaimone, and it's a compound word, hupo, which means under or underneath. It means to be underneath something very heavy. I wonder how many of you are underneath something very heavy tonight. Are you underneath a burden that's weighing down on you? Are you underneath a heavy circumstance that's overcoming your life? The second part of that word is monet, and it means to stay, to remain, to continue permanently, to abide in one place. In the New Testament, it's the characteristic of a man who is, get this, not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to his faith and piety, even though, even through the greatest trials and sufferings. Rick Renner, one of my, my favorite commentators, says, when you add the two words together, it pictures the person who is under a very heavy load, but who has resolved that he isn't moving, regardless of how heavy the load is or how long it takes for God to come through. He refuses to move. Now, anybody watched the Green Bay game yesterday? Uh, yeah, so you'll know what I'm talking about. Davey, come up here. I just, Dave watched it with me, so he'll know what I'm talking about. But, but you know, Clay Matthews, the, the hair guy, he is, he's coming down the field, and what's the guy's name? Kaepernick? Kaepernick. 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 <laughs> he is the, he is... He's the quarterback for the 49ers, and he's a show-off. He's really hotsy-totsy, and, and he's coming down the field, and he has the ball, doesn't he? And Clay Matthews is coming towards him. I, I love this. <laughs> I love it. And, and actually, was it, was it Clay Matthews at that point? It, it was, you know what? Different story. 
that the, 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 offense, the offense of the 49ers is coming down the field. Somebody has the ball. I don't know who it is. And this, uh, this other guy, the defense of the, of the Packers, is coming towards them. And they're big boys. Like I said, Davey, how big do you think they are? I would say they were probably 280. Don't you think? They were big guys. And they're coming at each other. And I would be like, get away from me, big guy. But, but not this, this defender. He's coming at him. He sees he has the ball. And all of a sudden, they get like this. Show me, Dave. They get like this. And they're at a standoff, and they're given everything they have, and, and they're not moving. And, and kind of things like go into slow motion. And, and they are like, they're like at this standoff, and, and the, this packer is not going to move. He's made up his mind. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how strong you are. You are not going any further with that ball. But it looks like it's hopeless. It looks like it's a, you know, it's a, it's a standoff. And then all of a sudden, Another Packer comes from behind. Pretend Dave is the, the Packer that's at the standoff. Here, Davey, this way. We should have practiced this at home. He's the Packer that is at the standoff. And all of a sudden, this, this other big brute comes running over, and he just does this. I mean, literally. And they go tumbling down the field. And I'm like, yes, that was so cool. I'm studying that. Because that's what it is. Because you see, when you're at a standoff with the enemy, faith does that. Boom. Faith is the extra push that needs to send him sailing. Are you with me? Anybody see that, on that at the game yesterday? It was so good. I was like, I am studying that. i got to put that down. That's so good. Because that, that, that packer refused to move. He was a big boy, but he was meeting a big boy. And it looked like neither one was getting anywhere. They were at a stalemate. And that, that player that came behind his, his buddy, all he did was just touch him. And they went sailing. And that's what faith does. When we refuse to budge, well, regardless of the heavy weight that's coming at us, regardless of what we're up against, regardless of how strong our opponent is, we need to refuse to be moved. And faith is that extra push that we need, the extra power of God that's needed to defeat that opponent and gain the victory, to gain the great reward. Don't toss it aside. Don't give up, Clay Matthews. Just push a little harder. The victory is yours. That Green Bay Placker was not about to relinquish his ground to his opponent. He didn't give up when it appeared that it was hopeless. He kept pushing through. And that's what you and I need to do in faith. We need to keep pushing through. He was tenacious. He was almost obstinate. And we have to have that same kind of spiritual tenacity. We must exercise to build up our spiritual muscles. Now, this is a Clay Matthews story. Uh, now, this Kaepernick, uh, he is the Kaepernick, I guess his name is. He is the, the quarterback of the 49ers, and he, I guess, is a show-off, and he does this thing where he kisses his muscles all the time. He flexes them after he does something. And, and, and so, you know, Clay Matthews, pretty hair guy, he is coming and he sacks the quarterback. Did you see it? I was so good. And, and he gets up and he does one of these. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that is a big muscle. Sorry, Davey, but that is a big muscle. Everybody see, did you see his muscle? And he kisses it. And it's almost like in your face. I gotcha. And he's, I think he says to him, you ain't no Russell Wilson. And he gets in his head. And the whole game is thrown because of it. Because that's what we have an opponent like that who wants to get in our head and throw everything off. 
Kaepernick wasn't any good after that. They lost the game. Packers won again. And there's pictures all over the newspaper today of Clay Matthews flexing his muscle and kissing it. And I heard all these commentators on the news talk about, well, wasn't that, that wasn't very nice of Clay Matthews. He was really mocking Kaepernick. And, and, and so one of the commentators said, are you kidding me? Do you see what he does when he defeats Clay Matthews all the time? He shows off just as much. And we have an enemy like that. Mocks us and wants us to be defeated and tries to get in our head so that he can win the battle but we need to stand firm and let nothing move us and not throw away our confidence. We need to build our spiritual muscles and flex them. I'm just going to tell you, I saw uh, Kaepernick's muscle and I saw Clay Matthews, and I just have to tell you, Kaepernick is nothing compared to Clay Matthews. And can I tell you, the enemy's muscle compared to my God, nothing. He's a defeated foe. We are battling a defeated foe. I was reading about World War II and how there, there was a Japanese soldier that for 29 years after World War II was over, he was still battling. He was on a little remote island and he didn't get news that the battle was over and so he continued to fight the battle for 29 years. He was picking off people. He was, he was just doing, he, he, was, he was still fighting. And that's the enemy of our soul. He hasn't got news yet that the battle is over. He is defeated. And he's still fighting. But you are fighting a defeated foe, an enemy who's defeated. He was defeated on the cross of Calvary. You're fighting from a place of victory, not for victory. Flex your spiritual muscle. And you do that through faith. Lord, I believe you, you mean what you say. I believe you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Don't you dare give place to doubt. That's what the enemy does. He comes like, like Clay Matthews and he tries to get in our head and mess with, our, mess with our, our victory. That's what he did to Eve in the garden. You'll remember in the garden, God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat of these two trees. There were lots of trees in the garden, but he pointed out two. He said, there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil and there's a tree of life. But don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what, didn't, what did... Uh, Adam and Eve do first thing. They go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and the enemy says to them, did God really say? Did he really say that? Did you, maybe you heard him wrong. Maybe he didn't really mean what he said. And you know, Did God really say? And then she starts to question God, because you see, she knew God was good. She knew God never lied. She knew God was truthful. And he meant what he said. But, but you see, the enemy slithered in and he started to mess with their head. And he said, did God really say? You know, you can doubt. He put a little doubt that God really meant what he said. And you know the story. Everything went downhill from there. And he hasn't changed his tactic. He still slithers into our life. And he says, did God really say? He doesn't mean that. You can't count on him to mean what he says. I know he said you're his healer, but he didn't really mean that. I know he said he's your provider, but, but certainly maybe you heard him wrong. That doesn't apply to you. And he begins to get us to doubt and waver and throw away our confidence. And with it, the great reward. 
But what would happen if we stood firm, if we faced our opponent instead of running away, if we got deep down in our soul that God means what he says and that we would not waver from it, what then? Because you see, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is really what we think is right. It's symbolic of, of reasoning and human, human intellect and, and us picking the right way and thinking we know better than God. It's looking at the circumstances and, and reasoning and saying it's really kind of hopeless. But the tree of life is doing it God's way and trusting God for what we need. And can I just tell you, regardless of what your circumstances look like, don't you dare apply your human reasoning and look at it and say it's hopeless. Because God says that with him absolutely nothing is impossible. And some of us need to get that deep down in our spirit that no matter what we're facing, no matter how big the opponent seems to be coming at us, no matter how, how hopeless the circumstance seems to be in our life, with God, absolutely nothing is impossible. And we need to exercise and flex those spiritual muscles and stand firm and not be moved by what we see and wait Wait for God. You see, the scripture says there in, in chapter 10, verse 37, he says, for yet a little while, he who is coming will come. He'll show up and he will not tarry. So begin to live by faith and don't you dare shrink back. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's word is yea and amen, that he means what he says, that he'll do what he says he will do? Or are you looking at it with human reasoning? feeling hopeless because it looks hopeless. What if Clay Matthews had withdrawn? He says, don't shrink back, don't withdraw. What if Clay Matthews saw Kaepernick coming down the field with the ball and he took off running the other direction? Kaepernick would have gotten the victory. And when we run from the enemy in defeat, he will get the victory. Don't shrink back, don't withdraw. I love to play board games. Anybody besides me love to do that? And I really, really like board games, but I'm a poor loser. Leslie and her family will attest to that. They come over, and I really do not like to lose. And, and so if we're playing a board game and I'm really behind and it doesn't look like I'm going to win, what do I do, guys? Quit. Fold up the board and quit. <laughs> if Dave and I are playing rummy, and we love to play rummy, and, and if I'm winning, it's fun. But if Dave is winning... What do I do, Dave? Quit. <laughs> I hate to lose. <laughs> Some of us, when it looks like the enemy is winning, we fold up the board game and go home. We lose our confidence. We shrink back. And we give up and lose the reward. What if it was just when God was going to come through? What if? Don't shrink back, he says. Don't lose your confidence. Don't quit. The enemy is defeated. Your victory is secured. Do you understand that? Do you understand that there is nothing that he can bring at you that hasn't secured the victory on the cross of Calvary? That the victory hasn't already been secured for you. What are you facing tonight? What are you going through in your life that really feels hopeless? That really appears to be way too big for God? What's the 
Kaepernick in your life? What's flexing its spiritual muscles at you saying, I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to take you down. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a prodigal child. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's despair and hopelessness. And you're looking at your natural circumstance. Maybe it's a bad medical report. And you're looking at your natural circumstances and you're saying it's really kind of hopeless. Don't throw away your confidence. Find a, find a promise from God. Find a truth in his word and stand on that immovable because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without total trust. Do you have total trust in the God who cannot lie? Do you have total trust in the God who promises he'll never leave you or forsake you? Do you have total trust in the God who will uphold you with his mighty right hand? Do you have total trust in the lover of your soul? the one who loves you with an unfailing love? Do you have total trust in the one who promises he is faithful? It's who he is. He is good. It's who he is. This might not be good, what's going on around you, but the God you serve is. And his word, he wants you to look at his word and, and believe that over what you can see. That's the challenge tonight, because you see, you can see that. You can't see God. But trust says, faith says, that, 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 that faith is the evidence of things unseen. I can't see it, but my faith says, I, I think it's the Amplified that says faith is the title deed. Oh, I, I really like the title deed, and I don't want to get ahead of myself into another message, but I really like that it says that faith is the title deed. Dave and I have a title deed to our house, and it says that that house is ours. We own it. Are you with me? And it's in our safe and in the house. And, and let's just say that, that, that we go home tonight and, and that somebody has moved into our house and, and put everything out on the street and said, you know, this is my house now. Well, what do you think Dave and I would do? Just like back the car out and go find another house to live in? No, we would go in and, and we would call the authorities and we would say, you know what? Somebody has moved into our house and, and it belongs to us. We have the title deed. Well, when the authorities came over to the house, we would go to the safe and we would pull out the title deed and we would say, see, this is our title deed. It belongs to us. What would happen? The thief would have to move out, would be apprehended, and we would move back into our house, would we not? And you see, that's what the enemy of our soul does. He moves in. You see, we have a title deed. It's called faith. That This word is ours. It's yea and amen to those who believe. The promises of God are yea and amen. They're ours. He means what he says. The Bible calls it our title deed. We, we have a title deed. It's ours. Are you with me? And we have an enemy who moves in and he says, I know that you have a title deed that says your sons will be taught by the Lord and great will your children's peace be. But you know what? I'm going to bring a little chaos in and I'm going to lure them away and I'm going I'm to bring addiction or I'm going to bring whatever it is. And we need to say, no, I have a title deed. That promise is mine. You see, health, your health, you have, a, you have a title deed. You say, Rhea, sickness, sometimes you, you get sick. Yeah, sometimes 
you get sick. But the Bible says that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord your healer. He says he is the great physician. He's the bomb in Gilead. You say, well, Rhea, it's appointed to man to die once and then face judgment. But it also says, can I just tell you that? The Lord does as he pleases, but he tells me to pray for the sick and he promises they will recover. Do you see it? So I'm telling you, if you're sick, you want me to pray for you because I get that one. I get that I have a title deed that says you pray for the sick and they will recover. Now it's appointed to man to die once and then face judgment, but Leslie, are you with me? Are we dying of sickness? Are we dying of disease? No way, Jose. I'm going to die, but it is not going to be of cancer, and it's not going to be of sickness, and it's not going to be of disease, because I've got a title deed. I've got a title deed. I may not stand that firm for many things, but Leslie, do we stand firm for that one? We stand firm for that one. And you see, if we really started to get this stuff, if we really started to understand that God means what he says, he means what he says, a three-cord strand is not easily broken. Dave and I, three-cord strand, we are not going to be easily broken. What God has brought together, let no man put us under. Just try it. Just try it. Just try it. I got it. I got me a title deed that says that. Do you see it? Do you see it? My daughters are going to be pillars in the house of the Lord. Little Kendall is going to be a pillar. Doesn't matter what I see here, I'm going to declare it from the mountaintops. What would happen if we believed God? What would happen if we believed God? I, I was sitting in my chair tonight, and I thought, oh, Lord, I, I just hope that I can preach this message. I don't feel as prepared as I normally do. And I was reminded that there's an anointing that breaks every yoke, Rhea. Can you, just, can you believe that there's an anointing that breaks every yoke? And if you ask, you'll receive. Do you believe it? I really felt like I was supposed to just finish this message by just asking, asking each one of you to do a little homework this week. And I want you to send it to me. You can send it anonymous. You can, you can have your friend send it. You can leave a message on Leslie's phone. You can email us. You can do whatever you want. But, but I want you to not throw away your confidence. And so those of you who are facing some things, and I, I think in a, in a group this large, pretty much every one of us have something that we're facing. I want you to dig in the word this week and find a promise. And I want you to fire a quick email off to me, and I want you to say, Rhea, here's my situation, and here's the promise that I'm going to stand on, because I'm going to stand immovable. And then I'm going to take those emails, and I'm going to sit them before our team, and we're going to pray over them. And we're going to pray for you to not be easily moved. We're going to pray for you to stand firm. We're going to pray for you to not throw away your confidence and to have the great reward, to persevere and to endure until the great reward comes, to the payoff of having total trust in God comes. You say, well, Rhea, that's kind of spiritual witchcraft. No, it's not. It's believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. And I want you to see it work. And so, I don't know if it'll happen in three days. I don't care if it happens in three months. It may not happen for three years. But I promise you, it's going to happen if you don't throw away your confidence. If you just believe. Some of you say, well, Rhea, I've been believing all my life for this thing and it hasn't happened. I'm going to say yet. Yet. 
don't throw away your confidence because there's great reward. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. What are you facing? What's the Kaepernick that's coming at your life that looks bigger than you, stronger than you? What's the opponent that you're up against? Dig in that word this week. Find a promise. You say, well, I don't really, I'm not familiar with the word. Then then Google the promises of God. You'll get a list. <laughs> Start meditating on those. Scan that, that list for, for promises that apply to your circumstance. Do you doubt? Do you believe that God isn't able? There was a man whose son was ill in the, in the word of God, and he brings him to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, if you can do anything, and I love it. Jesus said, if I can? If I can? And the man says, Jesus, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. If you're here tonight and you look at your circumstances and you say, Rhea, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know what I'm going through, then tell them you do believe. But help your unbelief. But don't throw away your confidence. Because there's great reward. The payoff is coming. Because when you believe God, you please him. And he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, who seek after him, who believe his word and stand on it. I love my husband. Trust is important in our relationship. It would really hurt me if Dave said to me, I don't think I can believe you, Rhea. I know you just said that to me, but I don't trust that you meant it. That would crush me. And when we don't believe God, that's what it does to him. He wants you to take him at his word. To believe that he really means what he says. And that he really will do what he promises to do. Why is it so easy to believe what we see over a God who cannot lie? One last story and then I'll let you go. Um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they, they were really good buddies with Jesus. They traveled with him. They supported his ministry. They saw him do miracles. And can you imagine having that kind of life where you walk with Jesus and you got to see all that stuff? And, and you know, I can't imagine how that would build your faith if you saw him, you know, blind eyes see and, and, and leprous skin, you know, turn like baby skin again. I can't even, would that rock your world or what? I'd be like, oh, so sold out if I saw that. Mary and Martha, their brother gets sick, and he's Lazarus. He loved, you know, Jesus loved him. And, and they sent word to Jesus. So that tells me they knew where Jesus was. Jesus was not in their town. He was out and about ministering. And, and they sent word. And so they knew where Jesus was. And, and so they sent this messenger. And the messenger says to them, Jesus, the one you love so well is sick. 
And Jesus sends the the messenger back and, and he says, tell them that this sickness will not end in death. Tell them that for me. And then the word says, and then he purposely delayed something like two more days before he went back. Purposely delayed. Tell them the sickness will not end in death. And, and so the, the messenger gets back to Mary and Martha, and he can't wait to say, guess what? The sickness is not going to end in death. Jesus said it. He means it. And he gets back, and what does he find? A dead Lazarus. <laughs> And I can just imagine this conversation, you know, Mary and Martha are just waiting for him to get back with with Jesus and Jesus is going to, you know, save the day and he comes back and he's not with Jesus, he's alone and and they say, what did Jesus say? And and I can't even imagine that messenger, how am I going to tell them this? Because Jesus said this sickness is not going to end in death, but here he is dead and, So what does Jesus say? Ah, nothing, I can't remember. No, seriously, what did Jesus say? Well, he said, this sickness is not going to end in death. Yeah, there's a dead Lazarus sitting in front of them. What happens when God's word doesn't appear to be good? What, What happens when you're looking at your circumstances and you're lining it up with God's word and it doesn't appear to be true? What do you do then? I wanted Mary and Martha to say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to them a little bit about this because I so wanted to say, Mary and Martha, you had the benefit of seeing blind eyes see again. You had the benefit of seeing lame legs walk. For goodness sake, your, your brother is dead. Don't bury him. Just say, you know what? We're going to sit here till Jesus shows up. Because Jesus said this would not end in death. It obviously did, but it mustn't be the end. So we're just going to sit here and wait. But what did they do? They buried him because it stinks. It's hot. They they didn't embalm bodies, and so he was going to get stinky pretty quickly. And so they bury Lazarus, and they're moving on with their life when Jesus shows up, and and he says, take me, show me where you laid him. Take me to that place. Why, Why did you bury him? I said this sickness would not end in death. I mean what I say. (laughs) Did you not want Mary and Martha to do that? I wanted them to just say, nope. Don't care how stinky he gets, we're waiting for Jesus. Because Jesus means what he says. Jesus said, take me and show me where you laid him. And you know the story. Jesus goes to the tomb and he says, roll away the stone. And Martha said, Jesus, it stinketh. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine? I bet they peed their pants. I just bet they did. Can you imagine? They buried their brother. They knew he was dead. And they're hearing the stirring in in the tomb. Can you just imagine what they must have done? See, we read these stories like they're nothing, but I want want you to put yourself in that place. He was dead. He was stinky. They buried him. They sealed it with the stone. They mourned it. They were moving on. Jesus comes back. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, they start hearing something in the tomb. Can you just imagine what that must have been like? Because Jesus means what he says. And he'll do what he promises. If he says this sickness will not end in death and it looks like it did, you need to not throw away your confidence and say, I am waiting because he means what he says. Watch your Lazarus. 
what appears too far gone even for Jesus. You see, death might have been Mary and Martha's reality, but Jesus was not limited to their reality. Sickness may be your reality, but Jesus is not limited to your reality. The reality may be that your son is addicted or that your daughter's a prodigal, but can I promise you that Jesus is not limited to your reality. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Then stand firm and let nothing move you. Do not throw your confidence away regardless of what's coming at you. Because victory is yours in him. He promises that. Why don't you stand to your feet as Kelsey comes to play? I just want to pray for you. Uh, before you go, I want to pray for the circumstances that you're facing and the things that you're going through in your life. I know some of your stories. I know how difficult your life is. But I want to encourage you tonight. I want to get, get up under you with my faith, and I want you to, to be immovable. I want you to look the enemy in the eye because you're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's not about your marriage. It's not about the woman taking your husband. It's not about the, the, the man flirting with your wife. It's not about the, the guy at work who makes your life impossible. It's not about your finances and how bad they are. It's not, a, it's not about your, your son or your daughter who's mouthing off to you all the time. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and evil forces. So, Father, I want to pray for each person here tonight. I thank you so much that you're a God of the impossible. That what's impossible for man is possible with you. Lord, teach us how to stand firm and not be moved, Lord. Not be moved by what we see. Teach us, Father, to fix our eyes on things above. Secure in us such a knowing that the promises of God are yea and amen. They're ours for the taking. And you're pleased with us when we do. When we believe you. And so, Father, I want to pray right now for faith to begin to arise. For those who have been discouraged and defeated, by the opponent coming at them. I pray, Father, that tonight faith would begin to arise at a new level and they would begin to stand firm and let nothing move them. That faith would be the push that they need to defeat that enemy. Father, I ask that you would direct them in your word that you would lead them to a promise that they can stand on and believe in. And that you would give them the perseverance and the endurance that they need, Father. They would not shrink back. I pray for the people who are shrinking back right now. They're withdrawing. They're going to bed. 
They're coming into agreement with the enemy. They're defeated. And they've accepted the report of the world, the report of the enemy, instead of the truth of your word. Father, I just want to speak some of your promises over them. That you are with us like a mighty warrior. That we just need to stand still and watch the deliverance of the Lord. That those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. that you're going to perfect all that concerns us, that you'll keep at perfect peace him whose mind has stayed on you, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. That's our inheritance from you, that you're our shepherd, will not be in want, that you'll make us lie down in green pastures, that you'll restore our soul. That what the enemy meant for evil, you will always turn around and use for good. That our sons, our children will be taught by the Lord and great will their peace be. That our daughters will be pillars in the house of the Lord. That you will uphold us with your mighty right hand. That absolutely no temptation that's come upon us. <laughs> That's common to man. That, that, that you will always give us a way out. That all we need to do is ask you. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you're pleased with us. That we are accepted in the beloved and dearly loved by you. that no eye has seen or ear has heard. That you wanna do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. That you withhold no good thing from those who love you. That every good and perfect gift is from above. That you only give good gifts. That you are good. That you are faithful, even when we are faithless because you can't deny yourself that a three-quart strand is not easily broken. And that, that we don't need to be anxious about anything, but through prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, if we just present our request to you, that you will guard our hearts and our minds with peace that passes all understanding. I pray for peace that passes all understanding to be upon each person here. That the joy of the Lord will be my strength. That you give strength to the weary and that you uphold us with your mighty right hand. That your eye is on us. That we don't have to fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to us? that we can be confident that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that we just need to take heart and wait for the Lord. 
that healing, oh Lord, we thank you, that healing is in your wings. Thank you that you love us with an unfailing, everlasting love and that there is absolutely nothing we could ever do to separate us from the love of Christ. Thank you, Father, that you say, you promise that if we lack wisdom in anything, we just need to ask you and that you will give it to us generously without finding fault. We don't have to try to figure things out, Lord. We just need to ask you. We need to uphold that promise that you will give it to us, Lord. Pray for wisdom and direction for people. Your word says that if we don't look to the left or the right and we set our face like flint, that you'll be the voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in us, that the steps of the righteous man are ordered by you. It's a promise. You want to give to your beloved even as they sleep. I pray for that. I pray, Lord God, that they'd uphold that promise tonight when I lay my head down. Thank you, Lord, that you give to your beloved even as I sleep. You're going to give to me, Lord, even as I sleep. You're going to sing songs of deliverance over me. You want to deliver me from all my foes. You're a wall of fire around me. I don't need to fear, Lord God. That you're my strong tower. I can run to you and be safe. You're going to be with me in trouble. That I might go through the fire and I might go through the water, but it's not going to overtake me. It's not going to overcome me. And I might go through the, the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm going through it. I'm not staying in it. Thank you, Father, that we can believe you, that you are who you say you are. So I pray, Father, for faith to begin to arise. For your people, for me, Lord God, to stand immovable. To not let anything move us. To not throw away our confidence, Lord. And to believe that you are indeed the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. We're seeking you, Lord. Show yourself strong in our situations, in our circumstances, in our life. We want to see you high and lifted up. We want to look to you and not to the things around us, Lord. Help us to fix our eyes now, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. 
For more information about RIA or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ. Thank you.